This season, we are excited to share that we are launching our first ever Maker's Holiday Gift Guide. We've spent the last several weeks carefully curating an online selection of artists, craftsmen, and makers whose work we think you will love. All the work is handmade and ranges from leather goods and watercolor designs to botanical teas and artisan jewelry. If you're looking for thoughtful and unique gifts, consider giving a few handmade items this season and supporting local artists. Go to makersandmystics.com and click on our Makers Holiday Gift Guide to shop small this Christmas. All proceeds go straight to support the work of these makers and allows them to carry on as creators. Creativity comes in all shapes, sizes, and forms. The fine arts are only one expression of this innate human capacity to make and design works of beauty and meaning. Creativity can be found in everything from the way we combine ingredients in a recipe to the way we design our homes, the clothing we wear, and of course, our shoes. Earlier this year, I traveled to New York City to host one of our live podcast events and had the opportunity to talk with an incredible designer whose creativity has persevered a span of 50 years. John Fluvog is a celebrated Canadian shoe designer known for his witty and unconventional style. Colorful, Art Deco inspired and inscribed with uplifting messages, his distinctive footwear has graced dance floors and boardrooms alike and are worn by everyone from Alice Cooper to Lady Gaga to nurses, teachers, lawyers, bikers, baristas, and most likely someone down your street. Today, John Fluvog owns 27 stores across North America, Australia, and Europe. He lives in Vancouver, sketches new designs every day, and like me, he knows he's weird. But that's why I like him, and that's why I reached out to him, and I'm thankful he agreed to have this conversation. Well, you've been making and designing shoes now for 50 years. Tell me some about the early days of how you got started. Well, I get, I get asked quite often by people like, uh, how, how did you start? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what, you know, tell me about how it began, how to start, because they, they want to know, you know, I'm in the boutique business, I, I sell fashion gear, and they want to be designers, and they go, well, how, how did you do it? And a bit depressing, I think, if I tell you, when you hear my story. Um, I came about it in a very uh, backdoor way. I wasn't looking to be in the fashion business. Um, I've never been to school for it. Uh, I've barely graduated from high school. Mm-hmm. I'm dyslexic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, from that, I always had, you know, an insecurity, I guess, about myself. I that I didn't think I was up to scratch with the rest of the world. So I came from a kind of a that mindset of, and I just um, I ended up in partnership with a man. Uh, who is 15 years my senior, he was really good at what he did. His name was Peter Fox. And that happened because of my father. Thank you very much, Daddy. <laughs> um, I was working in a shoe store, and he, uh, I'd give him a ride to work every day. And he said to me one day, he said, hey, uh, I'm thinking about going out on my own. Do you think your dad could lend me some money? My dad wasn't wealthy, but he was a saver, you know, old school. And so he goes to my dad, my dad says, mm, okay, like, well, I'll tell you what, I'll lend you this 13,000 bucks 
if you make my son a 50% partner. <laughs> okay. Like, bam, right, yeah. all right, it sounds good. I was making $50, $60 a week, you know, yeah. at that point in 1969. And I think, well, I mean, my salary would go up to 85, this is 80 bucks, that's, what's wrong with this picture, right? <laughs> so that's what I did. So I started, um, I started out with him. He was obviously knew a lot more than I did. And I would say I spent 10 years under him. He went out on his own. I bought him out in 1980. And uh, things, you know, went on from there. Well, from there, when I actually started on my own, it's when I actually, I would say I started in business. Mm -hmm. um, before that time, um, I, you, it could be said that I worked for my partner, Peter, although we were 50% partners and he was 15 years my senior. Mm -hmm. um, I was just a kid. Um, yeah, just a kid working in the shoe store. Uh, I, I was responsible. I came to work every day. Um, but I didn't really have to dive into it until like the early 80s. And at that time, a recession started. And it, it was hard. Well, one thing that sets apart the design work and specifically the shoes that you make is that there is such an inherent artistic quality to it, you know? There's a unique design, and I know that you work with a lot of professional artists and musicians, just to name drop a few people I'm aware of, Jane's Addiction, Lady Gaga, we were talking earlier about Daniel Smith of the Danielson family. So your shoes attract a very creative crowd, and so I'm curious to know how the artist in you works in the context of your business? First of all, I, as I said to you previously, I never considered myself an artist. Mm -hmm. I, in fact, thought artists were a little flaky because <laughs> I'm quite, I have a very practical side to me yeah. that just like, let's get the job done, let's go, come on. And um, so in order for me to um, start thinking out of the box, well, something actually happened to me. I have to, maybe, maybe that's the best way to start. Sort of like the end of the mid 80s, I was out of money. I was in a very difficult position. And on a certain day, at a certain time and place, I had somebody come and visit me who laid a vision on me mm. of what was going on. It was a very strange experience. <laughs> and I'm not, um, you know, I know this program's called Mystic, so maybe this is a good time to talk about the mystical. <laughs> sure. So it was a mystical experience to me. So on that day, I, I had said to my then wife, I, I can't do this anymore. It's just killing me. I, I you know, I, I need to pay the mortgage. I had two young kids and I need to, you know, make a living. And it's just, uh, I, can't, I can't do it. Mm. And on that day, so in walks this guy who I had never met before, who, I knew through a friend of mine. Well, he, told, he, he laid a picture of my life out for me. And on, on that day, in a rainy November day, that made sense to me. He went, oh, he described what a difficult time I've been going through. He told me what, my, what was going on in my life. He told me some personal things, which were, you know, like, probably true. <laughs> and. But it was, he, he, just, he began to describe my business and he said, oh, I see these shoes in different places around the world and so they're very different. And, and he went on to um, tell me that I needed to start 
um, putting my name in my shoes and need to start. He, 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 just, he said he, he actually saw them. I see these different shoes in different places. Oh, they're really weird, right? I'm going, oh, that sounds like me. <laughs> and um, as I sat there and he spoke this word over me, it just felt like truth. Mm-hmm. And it was just one of those, I've had a few things like that happen to me in my life, and that was one of them. And that, that was an experience that gave me the, uh, the, the impetus, the vision to move forward, because it wasn't easy after that. It was really, to start designing shoes from where I was as a small boutique owner was a big jump. And I, I had no ability in designing. I'd never been to design school. I didn't know what it looked like. I, I, and so I, to begin with, I just sort of thought, well, how, how do I do this? How do I start? And I, so I just sort of shut my eyes. Hmm and I watched what floated into them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then sometimes I'd look at somebody or something and I'd see it in a different way or the way that I would like to see it. Uh, and then from there, I started to have the boldness to go do it. Mm-hmm. So shoes are made on last, it's a, it's a shape, like a hard shape. So I started to carve those shapes out and I started to because I needed to, to be a certain way and then I had I had connections with a shoe factory in the UK and I'd go over there give them the, you know give them these designs and kind of that's how it started so it was started I guess with me having a boldness and I always think when I think back of that experience and other experiences I've had um, I believe that I had to have that experience because I'm so thick-headed <laughs> right <laughs> Sure. <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, you're so special. No, you're just a big, thick dummy. So I needed to be hit on the head. Right. <laughs> so. That's amazing. So what inspires you now after doing this 45, 50 years? You know, you mentioned that some of your designs come from this interior vision. Mm-hmm. Um, what inspires you currently? Sometimes I just see things and I... And I just, uh, I'll just go make them. And generally when I see things, um, I find that the things that I see, if I, I don't see them once. I'll see them twice, three times, four times. They keep coming to me and until I do them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they chase me. Yes. So it's not as if, as I, I most times feel like a conduit. I don't feel like they come from me. I feel like I'm just a conduit. Mm -hmm. And I would say as well, um, when I do the shoes, I I, I write little messages or things come to me as I'm sort of drawing and I'll I'll jot them down and they form part of the energy um, of the product or of the shoes. And sometimes they're like quite personal messages to people. Sometimes they're like, I don't know, basic morality. You know, I've been to Sunday school, so uh, they're just basic, you know, there's... Well, your shirt even says, let's be thankful. I love it. Yeah. Um, I have this shirt that says, let's be thankful. Mainly it's a message to me because I find myself not being very thankful. Mm. So I need to be reminded. Yeah. So, um, and I actually, I love doing things like this that have no connection to the company exactly. Um, I've got this let's be thankful up on a fence in vancouver it's a grill art right and so it's quite big let's say it's eight feet long mm-hmm. you know i can in my handwriting 
And it's on, it's on the fence. It's been there now for like four or five years. No one's taken it down. <laughs> and I just love that idea that I can describe to Vancouver that sentiment and it's not connected to the, it is, because it's in my handwriting and maybe it's in a corporate color, but it's quite obscure. Mm -hmm. And I love that obscurity. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that no one has ripped it off and mm -hmm. taken it, torn it up or ripped it down. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I really enjoy doing things like that. Mm -hmm. I, I enjoy, I enjoy, um, I call it a subversive love. Oh, I love that. <laughs> One thing that I've read about your work is that you've always left room for collaboration with other other people's designs that you're working with. Is that true? That that sometimes you bring in other other folks' ideas as well. Yep, I do. But um, uh, we have a section on our website where you can draw shoes and yeah. submit them, and and we pick shoes out of there um, every season. So yeah, that's a piece and part of the brand. People really get into the brand. Some, you know, some mm -hmm. of my customers are like, like crazy about it, and I, it sort of baffles me a bit as to why they are. <laughs> but I think at the root of it, it has to do with my humanity, mm -hmm. that I am willing to spill who I am out, and it, and it gets recognized. People recognize who our our spirituality who we are as people yeah. when we do that rather than it being a, you know something being designed by a collaboration of, of you know bestsellers of whatever and picking you know picking what's going on in Europe and you know so no I, I think there's a recognition of when we throw our humanity out there and our personal selves that people um will come along beside us sure and they they want to um they want to join in with you yeah yeah when they see somebody uh trying working throwing themselves out there um you will get you'll, you'll get some love taps mm -hmm. and i think that's kind of a universal principle that i would say that i see in any art form that connects with people like you i mean you really have a cult following in in a sense of people that are committed to Fluvog shoes and I think that's because they see that humanity in it but I think it's also because there comes a, a certain character that comes with the shoes I know that might sound grandiose in some ways but you know even looking at your career it's like uh, you put shoes on the hippies back in the day, then the grunge scene in the 90s with the Seattle scene. And, and you know, I, I think I read somewhere, which I absolutely loved this uh, quote about you, but it said you're basically the Tim Burton of the shoe industry, <laughs> of the design industry. And I love that because it says something about who you are, you know, so really what you're doing even though it's, a, it's, it's part of a design and a fashion, it does hit on that personal or interior experience that a person has. You know, like I mentioned earlier, I'm surprised at how emotional people get about what I do and how I see it as a story. We all need to walk in stories. And when we, uh, and my shoes are a way of being able to walk in a story. Uh, like if you can put on something that makes you 
part of another world or part of a story of another world or makes you pretend for a while. Um, I think that's a valuable human need mm -hmm. that we all that we all need to have. We need to walk in a in a different story um, than maybe what we've been given, and we can walk in a different story. And I like to think that I give people that ability. I know from years of selling product, the feeling when somebody gets in front of a mirror, gets the right shoes on, the fit that work, they look at themselves and something comes over them. They become, they just get washed in it, as it were, and they go, it just, it's bing, bang, boom. It's like, whoa. And, you know, I got, you know, I know I got a sale. And it's that, it's that feeling of, of maybe wholeness or completeness. Um, and then I do some quite exaggerated shoes sometimes, which um, I like the idea of my shoes not being liked by everybody. And I like them, I like the idea that they're, they, they can annoy people too. Yeah. Uh, so I like the idea of being alternative. I don't like the idea of being nor completely normal. I don't think that there is such a thing as normal. I think that God made us each as individuals and very special. And the coolest thing about that is that we can just be it and do it. We do not need to fit in. Uh, growing up in a, in a church environment like I did, there's a, quite a bit of pressure to sort of look like everybody else. It's like, what is that about? Oh, you don't look like a Christian or... <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah, you know, what the flu bug is that? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so even the fashion business, I don't like the fashion business. I think the fashion business, it's a, it's a business, generally speaking, of one-upmanship, of, oh, I'm better than you are, I'm cooler than you are. That's not what it's all about for me. It's just um, a matter of celebrating our soul, celebrating who we are, and being uh, natural, being whole, wholesome, and um, letting us, uh, and being free. I ascribe to the words of the wise prophet, Dr. Seuss, who said, today it's truer than true. There's no one else alive who is youer than you. <laughs> that's it. That's it. So that's, I mean, I, th that's probably, if there was an ethos to the brand, that would be it. Yeah. And the ethos is, Actually, you're okay. Yes. You're a created being. There was no mistake. Yes. You were made beautifully. You're okay. I love that. Yeah. It celebrates the individual and it also invites him into a larger story. I was thinking about your motto, unique souls for unique souls. And when I think about a shoe, it's kind of an exterior picture of an interior thought process. It's like, you know, when you're wearing fashion or you're wearing something that is unique or different or something that stands out, it does speak to that interior place. It, it, it does. And it, it's a like-mindedness. Mm -hmm. So part of the company, you know, the, the company has a, you know, has, has a moral point of view or a moral ethos. And I think that's important as well. But when people wear the shoes, they become, they enter into that 
that feeling, that ethos. So you become a flu vlogger. <laughs> a flu vlogger is a person who they don't even know it, right? But it's it's a way of looking at the world. Even um, there's websites that started that are independent of the company. They're just fans of the brand, which is like staggering to me. It's like so weird. <laughs> and there was a thing in Portland just few weeks ago where they all, all these flu bombers got together, independent of the company again, and they just did everything flu bomb for the weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's a, that's, that, that's amazing. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think that's when you know you've created good art is when the art lives beyond yourself. Uh, I think all good art has a life of its own. All, all good art goes beyond the maker. They've taken it to a place I never thought that it would go, it didn't occur to me. So yes, they've, add, they've added value to it. You've done this for 50 years now. We've talked about that all through the, the conversation. So many people in our community are artists who are starting out on that journey. Yeah. You know, people that are doing extremely unique work, extremely wonderful work. I wonder if there's there's anything you would distill down and say to these artists and, and these, you know, creatives that are just now entering into that journey of making their art, their livelihood, or making a significant contribution to culture. What would, what encouragement could you give them? <laughs> I know that's such a broad question, you know. Yeah, that's, that, that's a very broad question. Thank you very much. <laughs> Leave um, you with a curveball. Uh, and it comes, it comes to me as you asked ask a question. Uh, I see windows. And it's having windows open so that your art can, uh, can be seen and can fly. So it needs, you need to have the, a process so it can be seen. And that can be so many different ways. Obviously, now the internet is it is a big one. Um, connecting with other artists and doing collaborations is another is another good way. You feed off each other's uh, fan base. Um, and for me, my uh, my art is is judged daily by what sells. Um, I, I have a report card and I don't always like my report card, <laughs> but it's, I have a report card. And so, you know, uh, it is, it is mercenary, I suppose. I see what sells and I'm willing to um, drop whatever sort of super interesting thing I thought it was if it's not working. And, and I have to go with something that works. I need to because I have people's salaries depend on it, and obviously my salary, but others. Um, so uh, I, I have to open myself up to notice where the energy is and what people will pay for. Mm -hmm. The idea of listening, how we listen and how we hear is to me uh, paramount to, uh, if you want to call it, walking in the spirit. Out there are the answers, as it were. And it's, it, we need to channel it down, we need to hear it. 
the Spirit wants to speak to us. And he wants to, he or she, <laughs> wants to um, communicate with us if we can open ourselves up to it. And again, I think I touched on it was this idea of contemplation, of quiet times, and of hearing. And I think when we listen, we will hear. It isn't a matter of maybe, it's a fact. And so I attempt to do that. I'm not always good at it because I, my life gets full and then I, I get worried about this, that, and the other. That's another, you know, fear is another huge thing which sucks, but I, I fall into that trap. But when I don't and I can hear and I have the freedom to hear, it's to me the sweetest, most wonderful times of my life. That's when I hear. It's, it's, how, how cool is that? Thank you for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Makers and Mystics and see the show notes of this episode for ways to support the production of these podcasts and to join our creative collective. Music for this episode is provided by Cinder Talk.